Our second scripture this morning is Matthew 23, verses 1 through 12. Then Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets in the best seats in the synagogues, and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Loving God, as we gather around your word, open our hearts that we might experience you and that we might be changed so that we become your word of blessing for the world you love. Amen. Thank you, choir. What a great anthem. Um, sing a new church into being. Amen and amen. So in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is pretty much a rhetorical genius. Did you see what he did there right at the start of his conversation with the scribes and Pharisees? He starts off by praising them. By the time he gets done, you may have lost sight of that. But at the beginning, Jesus softens things up and then he goes in for the rhetorical kill. Oh, Jesus says, oh, those scribes and Pharisees, they sit on the seat of Moses. So by all means, listen to what they teach you. Listen to what they teach you. Just don't do what they do. Ouch. That would be like saying after worship today, oh, that's Scott Clark. Yes, yes, listen to what he says. Just don't do what he does. It's almost like Jesus is from the South. Why, those scribes and Pharisees bless their hearts. Yes, listen to what they say, but God, love them. Do not do what they do. Jesus lifts up the scribes and Pharisees as examples, models, paragons of what not to do. The scribes and the Pharisees like to do all their good deeds so that people can see them, so that they can get all the credit. Don't do that. They load up heavy burdens on people and don't lift a finger to help. Don't do that. They love to have the best seat in the house, the place of honor. Don't do that. They want people to call them by impressive titles so that folks know who is the most important person in the room. Don't do that. They love to be exalted while everyone else is kept well in their place. Don't do that. 
The scribes and the Pharisees, they sit on the seat of Moses, so listen to what they teach. Just don't do what they do, for they do not practice what they teach. The heart of Jesus' rhetorical critique is hypocrisy, a lack of integrity. It's not that these teachers don't know the right way to live in the world. They know or or they should know. They are the ones charged with knowing. They sit on the seat of Moses. It's just that they don't do it. They don't live it out. There is a substantive critique there too. It's not just any old thing they are failing to do. What they are doing in all the ways they live and move through the world, is supporting the existing order of things, the hierarchical, top-down, someone gets to win while everybody else has to lose, order of things. This is no small thing. Remember, we're in the Gospel of Matthew. We've been traveling through Matthew all year now, so we know that in Matthew, Jesus is proclaiming in his teaching and healing, in his life, death, and resurrection, he is proclaiming the birthing of an entirely new order, a brave new world. The old order, the one the Pharisees are still playing out here, is one of power over and hierarchy, where the powerful keep their seats of power and sit around and feast, while the poor and the meek, while everyone else barely scrapes by as the violence of empire and corrupt religious authority grind away. That's the crumbling old order, so different from the reign of God, breaking into the midst of us even now. Jesus has told us what that looks like. That's a world where blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's not that the foundation upon which we have built our lives is faulty. God's faithful love, generation after generation, it's right here in front of us, in front of you, alive and breaking into the world. It's that the scribes and the Pharisees don't practice what they preach. Or, or maybe an even better translation of the Greek is, they say, but they don't do. The things that matter most don't show up in the lives that they live. Now, because Jesus is speaking against leaders of a synagogue in his day, it's important to note that this is not a text where Jesus is speaking against what we think of today as Judaism or against Jewish people. Jesus was a Jew, as was almost everyone in this story. This is an in-house controversy. Folks are interpreting or not a reality that they were all living, interpreting it in different ways, and within that bigger community, the Matthew community disagrees profoundly with the Pharisee community. The Jesus of Matthew is speaking to his kindred out of this profound disagreement. These leaders, they walk around in our sacred spaces flaunting power and privilege and so-called virtue so that they will be exalted. But no, no. Blessed are the meek and the merciful and those who hunger and thirst for justice. Look at them. 
Does the life they live reflect those words that are true? These leaders say, but they don't do. If we translated it fully into our modern Christian context, the question might sound like this. We see everything you do on Sunday, all the things we profess and proclaim on Sunday, but what does the life you live on Tuesday look like? Well, that question set my mind spinning this week, and it got me thinking, and and we'll bring it back to the Scripture, but I got thinking, what does our life here look like on Tuesday? Here in this place, in these spaces, we, we thought about that a bit when we first started out in September, thinking about what it means to profess a place for you here. We know what happens here on Sunday mornings, but on Tuesday? Well, Tuesdays here start in quiet. As the first light of day dawns, you might hear Tom Lannert finishing his cleaning, and then the preschool teachers arrive, preparing for the day, and then the preschooler come. preschoolers come and the place gets really lively. Off and on throughout the morning, they're singing and chattering, sometimes a little crying. There is lively learning. I'm so glad that Kathy is here with us this morning to share what's going on in the life of the preschool. Did you know that the preschool has been a part of First Presbyterian Church San Anselmo since 1968? Think of all the children and families who have learned and been nurtured here over the years. Back to our Tuesday thinking. On a Tuesday, if you then walk through the preschool courtyard as one of the teachers is looking at leaves with their kids and you head up those stairs, you might run into participants in the CEDARS program. It's a program for adults with developmental disabilities. They are regular members of our community here and you'd get a friendly hello. And as you walk into this building um, by the patio room and the fireside room, you'd keep a respectful distance as 12-step programs gather to support each other, Al-Anon, AA, NA. There might be music in here, someone practicing an organ. Late afternoon, lately, there's a youth theater troupe rehearsing a musical. By the way, they're doing Annie this year. Back in the office, Someone's stopping by to get a Safeway gift card from Amber to help with groceries this month. That's one of the things that your Deacons Fund contributions support. While across the church campus, some folks are getting groceries from the community fridge, and maybe as they pass by, they pass folks who are bringing groceries to fill it back up. And on Tuesday evenings, as the preschool and Cedars folks head home each week, one of our committees meets in person or online. This coming week, it'll be church and society. They meet to plan things like a climate crisis event or to envision the refugee housing we're working on or to engage in our anti-racism work. This past Tuesday, the deacons gathered online for their monthly meeting. They checked in on their flocks, the needs in the community and beyond. Who needs a meal or a ride to the doctor or a call or a visit? Who among them will help folks at the door next Sunday morning? They plan memorial receptions to care for our families when we grieve. 
the life lived here on Tuesday has a well, maybe not a totally quiet, but a lively, steady pulse. Now, I've got to be careful here. We've got to be careful. Do you see why? The scribes and the Pharisees do all their deeds to be seen by others. So even naming these things so that we can see them together, well, I am not doing that to give ourselves a pat on the back. But I am wondering, what if in our life together, in the whole of our life together, we centered the life we live on Tuesday? What if we put at the center of our community the love and care and well-being of children? Nurtured at the preschool, fed through the community fridge, empowered by Reverend Grace and our family ministries, what if we centered children like that as we thought even more broadly about how to live locally and globally? How might that transform how we think and act for Palestinian children caught up in the violence of war and for so long in systems that deny them basic human rights? How might that impact how we think of Jewish, Jewish children killed in the October 7th terrorist attack and those still held hostage? What if in our life of community we centered the children and youth of Marin City going to schools in Marin County where other students use racial epithets with no consequence? The life we live on Tuesdays where we center the care of children, what if we centered that in the whole of our life together? What if we centered making the world more inclusive for folks over a bright spectrum of different abilities? What would that mean for us making this a space where folks could move with more ease for the way we do Sunday things so that everyone can participate fully? What if we centered those deacon things Caring for those who are sick, making sure they have meals, transporting folks to places of healing, seeing the deep needs of the world, and acting to help. What if we centered serving the world like a deacon? And that's where we come back to this morning's scripture. For most of the scripture this morning, Jesus is offering a list of things not to do. You've heard of a to-do list? Well, I read someone this week talking about a to-don't list. The scribes and the Pharisees do this, don't do that. The scribes and the Pharisees do that, don't do that. But there is in there, among all those don't do's, a subtle but no less imperative do this. It's right at the end. At the end of the list, Jesus sums it all up. You see, the greatest among you will be your servant. I might translate it, but the great ones among you will be your serving ones. Now, do you remember what the Greek serving word is? This is not technically a quiz, but I have actually put that Greek word up on the screen before. The Greek serving word is... Deacon, diakonos, the great ones among you will be your deaconing ones. 
Jesus says, put at the center of all you do what deacons do, serving the needs of others and working to ease the suffering in this world. Live like that. I almost entitled the sermon, Live Like a Deacon. I love the question in that first hymn we sang, what is this place? I mean, really, what is this? Is it just walls, roof, and floor, or is it a place where we shelter and we feed, whereas the song says we receive what we need to increase God's justice and God's peace? What is this place? It's a place where we deacon. It's a place where we serve. So here is our something to do for the week in two parts. First, first let's think together. What would our life look like if we centered the life we live on Tuesday? What if we centered those things, the well-being of children and expansive welcome and the tender care of those in need, even more broadly, more deeply, more expansively, and more intentionally? And then, as something each of us can do on our own, maybe do it on Tuesday, think some about what we can do, what can I do? What can you do to make all this so? What is one bit of deaconing? One bit of serving and loving that you can do in this life we live on Tuesday. The words we say and sing here are important. I wouldn't get up here week after week and do what I do if I didn't think that were so. It's important to sing and to say them, and it's important to work faithfully to get them right so that what we profess looks like the brave new world, the new creation that God is calling us into in Jesus Christ, and, and the whole point, the whole point of those words we say and we sing on Sunday, the true things, the loving things, the real things, the non-hierarchical, God loves everybody, set the whole world free things. The whole point of the words we say and sing on Sunday is that we go and live them out on Tuesday and Monday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday if we center the life we live on Tuesday. Our hope in the place we find here in this body is that Tuesday by Tuesday, day by day, tender mercy by tender mercy, the world will look more and more like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will see, receive mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are you. Blessed are we. Blessed is this world when together we serve.